Shalom, shalom. Welcome to JTeach on Air. JTeach's podcast that explores exciting, fun, and interesting aspects of Jewish culture, Jewish traditions, and Jewish religion. We also look into some of the global and local events impacting Jews around the world and connect with some incredible guests along the way. Thank you for joining us on this amazing journey. Shalom and welcome back to JTeach on Air. This is episode number five and I'm your host, Corey Margulies. Last episode, we had the first half of a conversation with Mark Vandermas from IsraelTruthWeek.org. Mark Vandermas trains people about the mandate for Palestine. This is Israel's land title deed from the world. It's an international law put in place in 1922 by the League of Nations. Anyone who hates Israel chooses very conveniently to ignore this contract. If you were to enter into a contract to purchase something and someone were to simply ignore it because it was a matter of convenience, you would certainly be opposed to that. Yet, every day we see people ignoring this mandate, giving the Jewish people the right to the land of Israel. Join me now in the second half of my conversation with Mark Vandermas of Israel Truth Week. Yes. Well, that that's the entire point. I mean, there's nothing wrong. You know, I, I was heavily involved in the uh, the Caledonia crisis in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, there was some native radicals that took over an entire subdivision um, and the police stood back and watched. And there were two books uh, written about it. One's a bestseller uh, and the other was written by us. I'm in both of them. I'm a character in both of them. And um, I remember when that started, everybody's talking about solutions, 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 solutions. And there wasn't one person asking, was the land land claim legitimate or not? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it real or not? And so everybody was looking for the solution instead of the truth. And that's why once I started really looking at at the Israeli Israeli conflict, um, uh, I see exactly the same thing. You know, is this land claim valid or not? Uh, clearly, when I read the doc, I was staggered when I read the document. I remember I, I was, I, I originally started Israel Truth Week um, in, in 2012 when some Jewish students were intimidated at Western University uh, while the campus police stood by and watched. And it mm-hmm. shocked me so much. I said, now, you know, my parents grew up, lived under Nazi occupation, so I always had an awareness of Jewish issues. And I said, I would never be silent. I, you know, I promised after reading Martin Niemöller's poem, there, you know, there's no one left to speak for me, that I mm-hmm. would never be silent if Jews were ever under attack again. Well, finally, in 2012, when, when these Jews were, were, were allowed to be intimidated by police, I said, that's it, I have to do something finally. And so uh, that's how I started Israel Truth Week. And, and I, I actually believe, I'm a former peacekeeper, I served in the Middle East. Um, I climbed Mount Sinai on Easter Sunday uh, and swam in the Sea of Galilee. Um, never got to Jerusalem until this year with JNF, but it, it really made quite an impression on me. And so um, I used I thought that it was the UN that quote unquote created Israel from this mm-hmm. partition plan. 
And so I was speaking at the conference and Salomon Ben Zimmer and Goldie Schneider were there. And afterwards, Salomon said to me, have you ever heard of the mandate for Palestine? I said, no. Well, when I read it, I was stunned by it because nobody who knows about this thing. I I, I just couldn't believe it. And I recognized right away the, the counter-propaganda value of it uh, and the value that that it had in creating this moral narrative to destroy this this uh, BDS, this, this occupation uh, libel. Um, but and then, once I read the mandate, I understood that that 1947 partition plan was arguably illegal because Article 5 expressly forbids the transference of any land of Palestine to any foreign government. So um, it's just been betrayal after betrayal after betrayal for the Jewish people. And I think, listen, I'm, as I said, I'm not Jewish, but honestly, after everything the world has done to Jewish people, shouldn't we at least ask the question, don't we owe them the courtesy, the decency to actually read the document that recognized them as owners. Really? I think we do. I think mm-hmm. we have an obligation. Every non-Jew has a right to, has the obligation to understand that before they ever pick up a sign saying BDS on it. And but those are most of those people are just misled. Like look, if 97% of Jewish people in Zionists, I mean I'm talking hardcore Zionists. They were in my first training. Had never read this document. And it's consistent through all of my trainings. Only 2% of my trainees had ever read the document before meeting me. If hardcore Zionists and Jewish people and teachers don't know this critical part of their own history that dispels the occupation there, what hope do you think the person on the street has of knowing it? So right. we have to be kind to these people. We, we, it's very tempting to jump in and, rah, 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 and, and beat up on them and that. But the fact is... We, you know, our side doesn't know our own history, mm-hmm. your history. And so that's why I tell the students, don't be mean. And that's how I tell, separate the haters from the ordinary people who've been suckered in by the lies. And that's how I do it. If I could show you a document of international law proving Jews did not steal land, would you be willing to read it? That's the question. Right. That's all you have to ask. And I think the true haters, you know, regardless of whether you provide them with proof or evidence or logic, they're just going to choose to ignore it because it doesn't fit in within their view of the of, of the reality of of the world. Uh, they well, they yes. rely on their own perceptions, and regardless of what you put out there, they just ignore it. Well, they have an agenda. See, right. once you have an agenda, it gets in the way of truth. I remember this really. This is a really sad and kind of funny story. Um, I had Salomon Ben Zimra, uh, who wrote this this amazing uh, book outline, you know, summarizing Israel's legal rights. He spoke at my next two Israel Truth Week conferences, and at the second one, there was also a Muslim fellow there. Uh, oh, forgive me, I can't think of his name. Great, really great man. Um, and uh, they got together, and the Muslim invited Salomon the Jew mm-hmm. to come into his building and teach his Muslim audience present about Israel's legal rights. Now, in the history of the world, I'm pretty sure that's never happened before. So, so Solomon goes, I'm there in the audience, <clears throat> half hour into the presentation, in walks a senior executive from a large Jewish organization, late, half an hour late, 
Salomon does his presentation. And as soon as he's done, this guy jumps up onto his feet and he says, so in this organization distances itself from this presentation. Uh, what, what, what? And I'm, I like, I'm, in stu I'm stunned along with some of the other, you know, you know, pros or people that were in the room there. I said, what? And uh, so afterwards, I went to see him and I said, um, I need to ask you a question. He said, well, I'm just leaving. I'm just about to leave. I said, you came in half an hour late. Surely you can spend a minute with me to answer a quick question. He says, okay. I said, did Solomon say anything that was true? Oh, no, but everybody in Israel supports a two-state solution. I said, okay, but I'm Israel Truth Week, not Israel Lies Week, just to confirm. Solomon said nothing wrong. He didn't say anything that was incorrect, yeah? No, 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 not at all, but we, we support a two-state solution. And here was a guy whose organization had, had created in their mind an agenda that they were going to pursue this two-state solution irrespective and and to their and they did not want the truth told about <clears throat> whether Jews were owners or occupiers and I learned there that uh, not that these were bad people he's a very great organization nice nice man um, he didn't mean ill he was doing what he thought was right but he was willing to put an agenda ahead of the truth right and politics that, before truth yes and it's funny, I'll get people say, well, you know, I don't like to talk about politics. I say, I'm not talking about politics, I'm talking about truth. Um, and, you know, you talk about the haters wanting to, uh, you know, to, to continue. People who don't want to learn or absorb the moral lesson very often will just ignore what's, you know, what you're telling them. Um, the moral argument is a lot harder to counter, though, frankly. Uh, and that's why I use it. Now, I was sitting, I had another meeting with some people, including uh, this Jewish lawyer who said he laid awake at night worrying about Israel. But he said, Mark, this stuff you're doing, it's just not going to work. And I said, why not? He said, uh, well, the mandate's too old. I said, too old? I said, you're a lawyer. Are Aboriginal land treaties too old to enforce? Or is the U.S. Constitution too old? And I said, but forget that for a minute you just proved my entire point he said i did he said yeah you just proved that jews can't trust the world's promises because if you can't trust the if if the the mandate for palestine is too old because it's 100 years old mm -hmm. then when they come for haifa and uh and uh tel aviv 50 years from now um what are you going to say then right where's the argument yeah, where's your argument? You see, and that brings us to another another point. See, I, there are a lot of people that can, people will make uh, arguments like, uh, well, you know, we need the land for defense. Well, that's kind of a loser argument because if you stole the land, you got to give it back. <laughs> so no matter what, I mean, it's like going into court and when the judge, instead of holding up your land title deed and say, Your Honor, here's my land title deed, I, I own this land. Um, you say, well, Your Honor, uh, I need the I need the land I need this land because the guy's neighbor is really uh, vicious, and I, I, I you know I don't want criminals living next to me, but I'll give him half of it uh, just to you know if he'll stop uh, attacking my kids. It's not a very good argument to use, but I don't worry about the military aspects of solutions. That that you know if Israel wants to give away half its land and, and hope in hopes of peace. 
I probably the Israeli military can handle that. I have complete confidence in them. That's well, not having been part of them, I can tell you that they're certainly capable of handling whatever comes their way. Oh, I didn't realize you were. Uh, as yeah. an aside, we visited an, the elite Egos unit uh, in northern Israel. Uh, I actually got to handle their weapons, so hmm. it was great. Um, but I don't worry about the military threat. That, that doesn't concern me. I worry about the threat that no one is talking about. And if you recall um, uh, Menachem Begin's famous quote, um, at all costs, safeguard the honor and dignity of the Jewish people. That quote, I use that in my presentations, and uh, that quote means everything to me. Um, I see my mission as doing whatever I can to safeguard Jewish honor and dignity. Now, I want you to think about uh, this is the example I use. Imagine that a two-state solution is magically arrived at tomorrow. Trump is, proves to be brilliant, and now there's going to be a two-state solution. Everybody's celebrating. Unfortunately, what has just happened is that the Israeli government, the Jewish people, have just falsely confessed under duress to stealing land and ethnic cleansing and every other vile crime of which they've been accused. Right. Because they're doing it under threats of violence, terror, demonization, um, and they have not destroyed the occupation narrative. If they're going to give away land, they have to do it as owners and being recognized as owners. And I want you to think about the legacy of this, of, of falsely confessing. Now, the government said, no, we're not. Yeah, you are. You're, it was, you never countered this occupation narrative. Therefore, and your so-called solution is founded on solving this occupation. So therefore, you falsely confessed. To all these crimes of which you are innocent and i think that is a terrible legacy to leave for the children of israel i think that's awful and that's why i do what i do uh, to preserve that dignity and honor as best i can as a gentile okay there's another danger though your whole modern land rights all come from the mandate for palestine it is the mandate for palestine that gives you title lawful title under international law to I'm not talking about the biblical stuff right now um, but it gives you title to all of the land west of the Jordan River including Tel Aviv and Haifa if you don't own Judea and Samaria where your patriarchs and matriarchs walked mm -hmm. and Jerusalem even though it's spelled out in the mandate for Palestine if you don't own those cities what by what title do you own Tel Aviv and Haifa so right. 50 years from now, now think about this. A hundred years ago, there was a two-state solution that took Jewish land and gave it to the Arabs, and it became part or all of Jordan. And we can have a discussion about what that is, whether it was all or part, that's irrelevant. Okay, so there was a two-state solution a hundred years ago. Here we are, and now that solution is completely forgotten, and now Jews are demonized for stealing the very land that they were recognized as being owners of, now, what happens 50 years from now or 100 years from now, is today's solution also going to go the same route? So if you're not going to talk, if we're going to talk about solutions, you have to talk about the original. Right, right. I mean, we hear a lot in terms of uh, BDS movement and people will say, well, it's really all about human decency. But the mandate, I mean, the, the foundation of it was to take back, take 
quote-unquote back Israel from the Jewish what they call occupiers and push them into the sea. That's not a peaceful movement. That's a movement that's aimed towards you know, eliminating and uh, it's definitely an antagonistic organization and I think a lot of people don't understand that. And I, I agree. If we go back to the mandate for Palestine and say that Israel has a right to be there, they have a right to this land, it's their land, they own it, then we're looking at a very different foundation. It's not saying, oh, they're occupiers, we need to get rid of them. You know, call a spade a spade and say that here we're looking at stealing the land, we're looking at taking it away from them, taking what they own and giving it to someone else. It's not a matter of taking anything back or correcting anything. Well, well, exactly. And, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I, I have a friend in uh, Ephrat in, uh, in the Judean Hills, who in one of the liberated areas, um, and um, he uses my materials. Uh, and what, he, what happens is people will come into, they're mainly supporters of the Arabs, uh, the Arab Palestinians, and uh, sometimes they want to pretend, or maybe sometimes they actually want to get the other side of the story, and that's who he gets to deal with. I get to deal with mostly friendly people. He gets the hard ones. Mm. And uh, he was telling me that, uh, you know, there is land uh, that was given to the Palestinian authorities, or transferred to, or not transferred, I don't even want to use that word, but put under the authority of the 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 PA that was actually purchased by the Jewish National Fund. I mean, there, there's a teacher uh, uh, who was on the trip with me, had no idea that the JNF actually purchased a lot of land in Israel. And I'm, I'm just trying to nail down the exact statistic, but it's very, very significant. I mean, that land was, was bought and paid for, um, for the benefit of Jews. Now, look, the world can make decisions. Private ownership of land or, or even semi-public ownership of land is not as relevant as as international borders, okay? So just because you own private land in Canada doesn't give you the right to create your own state. But the Jews were bought the land that was as part of the historical home of, of the Israeli tribes, and the world recognized them as owners of that, and that land has already been put under authority of the PA. That's immoral to me. I mean, that's 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 not right. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah, absolutely. if they want, if that's what Israelis want to do, they have to do it though. That they themselves have to know in their hearts that their people did not steal land. And I tell kids when I'm talking to them, my goal today is that to send you home with this booklet, this, this document of international law, that you can go to sleep tonight knowing that your people did not steal anybody's land. And I think that's critical. So we really do have to talk, build a foundation of truth and the solution will appear eventually. It may not look like any type of solution that we could possibly fathom today. I mean, we just don't know. But if you're talking about solutions instead of truth, I think you're on the wrong track. Okay? And I'll tell this, listen, I tell this even to people advocating for a one-state solution based on the mandate. I would even say that to them now. I said, if you want, even if the government bought your argument, and said, okay, we're gonna declare a one-state solution today. Well, first of all, I don't know how you even exercise that. It's not gonna work until 
you completely destroyed the value of this occupation narrative and shown the world the and proven to the world the total immorality of that narrative then things become possible maybe egypt will open up sinai for them maybe jordan will take who knows but it's not for us we first have to build a foundation of truth mm -hmm. and the truth is that jewish people are owners not occupiers that's the truth and the right. world has to admit that i think the good news, uh, Corey, I think that you could complete could accomplish this in five to ten years. If, for example, if BB was to declare a moratorium today, I think within five to ten years you'd have a complete solution um, that would that would probably include Israel owning most of her ancient homeland. I think that's possible, completely well, possible. As they say, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> well, we both pray to the same God, yep. and uh, I, I think that's completely possible. But but I think if you're trying to build a, a, a solution, and, and you don't even know what the truth, how can you have a meaningful discussion about so, a solution if you don't even know your own truths? Agreed. I had a teacher. It, it, this, is, this is how bad it is. I, I met a teacher from the United States, and she... Um, uh, I'm just talking to her casually. I didn't, I didn't know her. She said, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? And I said, you know, I, I go into synagogues, churches, and, and schools, and, and, and I teach uh, Jews that uh, their owners, not occupiers. And, oh, that's interesting. I said, have you ever heard of the mandate for Palestine? And she said, well, I think they should have their own state. I said, no, I'm not talking about a people. I'm talking about a document of international law, the mandate for Palestine. She's looking at me like I have two heads, and she says, "Well, I think they should still have their own state." I, then I then it occurred to me. Hmm. Then I then I realized. I said, "Do you know where the name Palestine comes from?" Uh, no. Now think about this. This is a teacher in a U.S. school teaching Jewish kids does not know that the Palestine is the name given. To the, to the Jewish homeland in AD 130 by Emperor Hadrian to try to erase right. the memory and history of the Jewish people. So in other words, Palestine has always been Jewish. It's always been Israeli. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know. We have a lot of work to do before we talk about solutions. I agree. I agree. Unfortunately, there's, there's more work than I think most people realize the good news is there were there were you know more good news is the people on the on the trip the teachers on the trip that I met especially on our bus who got to know us and trust us um, they're very very interested mm -hmm. in, in this material and one of the one of the highlights of my trip listen there were many uh, it was a very emotional trip I mean you, you can read my report from the uh, you know on my website um, but uh, the highlight for me from a land rights perspective was when I was sitting in uh, Ben Gurion Airport waiting to come home, I'm sitting beside this teacher and his wife, and I said, tell me, what was your main takeaway of the trip? And he said, that we're owners, not occupiers. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, and part of that was because the JNF presentation briefly mentioned that JNF had, had taken land. But he was very impacted by reading, because I brought, I brought some copies of the mandate. Uh, for, for people who were really interested and uh, most of it was due to me. He wrote me a very emotional letter uh, when we got home 
And so when people know the truth, they see the possibilities for peace. And I, like I see possibilities for peace um, in, way, in a way that other people don't see it. But I just know from a personal experience and history that you can't have peace without truth. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. The truth, you, you, you can't build on wishful thinking and ignorance. You just can't. So, right, and I, and I think that talking about that peace, um, that peace piece, um, really, what we're looking at is, I don't. There's nobody's goal is especially from the Israeli perspective, it's not a matter of them wanting to destroy other people. It's not a matter of them wanting to go out and fight other people. It's just a matter of them wanting to live where they have the right to live, be where they are, who they are, and own what they own. And I think yes. that people fail to recognize that's another part of the of the myth that's being created out there is that they're aggressors and that they're looking to um, you know, perpetrate ownership or, or takeover of other people's, you know, territory or, or, but they don't, they just want what's theirs and they just want to live in peace. And I think most Israelis and, and most Jews would be comfortable if we could live in peace and not worry about all of the other, you know, garbage that comes along with these things. But as you said, we need to recognize and we need the world to recognize that Jews have been given the right to live in Israel and to own Israel and that those boundaries have been established and were established long ago and that there is no question. So anything you want to talk about, any negotiations you want to have anywhere you want to go from there needs to recognize that this document exists and those rights exist. Yes. Yes, well, exactly. And, you know, if I'd say a few, uh, you know, just a couple of things about the trip directly related to that, even if you didn't know what I know and what we know about the mandate for Palestine and Mm -hmm. and promises and obligations to Jewish people, after going on this Jewish National Fund Educators mission and seeing the people that uh, we saw and and listening to the people that we saw... um, you, you, there's not a chance that you could actually believe that Jews did what they're accused of, stealing somebody else's land and, and uh, persecuting other people. Um, I, I saw humanity, you know, I always, you, you know, I knew it intellectually, you know, that, and from my own experience with Jewish people, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's racist to say it, but I, I just find that, you know, Jewish people generally, that I, certainly that I've met, they're the most compassionate people. They care about other people. We and that I'd ever met. Now, and when I saw that in in Israel, um, we went to uh, went to uh, Kibbutz Harduf. It's a whole community built around helping people with mental issues, with mm-hmm. the, you know, short term, uh, you know, suicidal depression to long term, uh, you know, cases where these people just need a safe home. The whole community is built around helping these people. You know, and I, I actually hugged a former IDF uh, soldier. She was working in the in the gift shop there, and she was suicidal. 
at one point and she said the place saved my life well i have been in a very dark place in my life too dark you know more more i i, I more than i would wish to admit and so i knew exactly what she was talking about and people who haven't felt it uh, do not understand it at all um and so i gave her a hug she gave me her children's book that she'd written to try and help other kids who are afraid of the dark and it's really amazing mm. we went we went to uh Sterot, yep. uh, and we saw uh, a, th- a metatherapist there. Uh, they're trying to treat, um, they're using animals to treat. They've got uh, 70% of Sterot and area's children, mm-hmm. uh, of 4,000 children. Uh, sorry, they have 6,000 children. 70% of them are suffering some signs of trauma, minor or major. And I connected with her. And just as a side note, um, I asked her before I left, we didn't have much time to talk, but I asked her, you know, had she ever tried uh, working with mechanical animals? Uh, there's these things called companion pets that are put out by Ageless Innovation. They're used with old older people with dementia. And she said, no. So I just sent one to her yesterday for her hmm. to try. So, but it's just seeing these things, the compassion. I never heard anybody you know, wish for anything other than peace with their Arab neighbors. I never heard anything other than respect for them uh, wherever we went. And trust me, we were not we were not stage managed. I mean, yes, we were we were hustled around, but you know, even in the private moments, no matter who I met in Israel, whether they were part of the tour or not, there's none of them that that wish ill on their Arab uh, neighbors. Not one. Right. Well. You know, people will say what they want to say in order to get their points across, and they don't care if it's truth or not. Well, I think that's our job. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the good people. I mean, there, you have to understand. There's a lot of good people that have been sucked into this BDS nonsense, right. this stolen land nonsense. And why wouldn't they? Their politicians are saying. I mean, look at our Canadian. Look at our political party. Some of them mm-hmm. uh, are into our. Are talking about it uh, everywhere in the world. That's all you're hearing. Um, and if I was, a, I mean, my question to when I'm talking to Jews is, uh, I don't ask why Jewish kids are standing on the other side of the street, uh, you know, against this imaginary occupation narrative. I ask why wouldn't they? If I was Jewish and I thought my people stole land and were persecuting these supposedly innocent people, I'd probably be there with them. And they're not hearing the truth. So we're, we're really doing a large, strategically, over the long term, this is, this, this is going to have a devastating effect on Israel. Because she's not losing a military, a kinetic uh, battle. She's losing a war of propaganda. And she's losing it very badly. Right. Because she's not making a moral argument against, this, against these lies. And most and, people, when they're told something from a person in a position of trust, they believe it. Well, of course. Well, exactly. Imagine your your teacher. You go to your teacher. I, I talked to one student. I was doing a. Uh, we were doing a presentation at Ryerson University, and there was a leader of the of the students there. And Solomon asked him, "What are you taught to tell people? If somebody says occupation, what are you taught taught to say?" And they weren't taught to say, "Well, you know, Jews are owners, not occupiers," and here's the proof. Um, they're taught to say, well, you know, we don't have a peace partner. Israel really wants peace, but we don't have a peace partner. Well, what is that? That is that is a de facto confession to occupation. 
And that's the disservice that's being done to these kids. And one of the things I love about the mandate is that I don't have to argue history. I don't have to argue archaeology, sociology, anthropology. I don't have to argue any of it. All I have to do is be able to hold up this book and say, you see right here, where it says, here's where the world recognized us, Jewish people, as the rightful owners of this land. Aren't you, I bet the person who told you Jews stole land didn't show you this, did they? That's all I have to be able to do. All I have to do is be able to find the clauses in the document. And I can teach people how to how to handle objections so easily. The problem with, with Israel debates is if you don't have a plan and you don't know your history, you get sucked down into rabbit holes all the time. And somebody will say to me, yeah, but what about the wall? I said, well, listen, I'm glad to talk about the wall. I've seen the wall. Um, but before we talk to the, about the wall, could we first agree that the world recognized the Jewish people as owners? of all land west of the Jordan River in this document? No, well then I'm not talking to you. Why am I wasting my time talking to you? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's a, it, it's an education process. We, you know, uh, and with the mandate, you can also, um, if somebody makes an objection, I love the objection part, but what about this resolution or that resolution? Heck, I hardly even know what the resolutions are. Uh, I said, what what UN resolution? Oh, 242, uh, 1967. And, and I say, okay, um, was that before or after 1922? Well, it's after. I said, well, thank you. The mandate is was, was uh, issued in 1922, so all you're doing is you've just proved my point. Jews can't trust the world's promises. That's how you handle objections. Oh, what about this resolution? What about this case? I said, great. I said, you just proved Jews can't trust the world's promises. Why should they trust a new one? And so that's how I handle the objections. That's why I teach the kids. Right. So my students, I say kids. I mean, you know, most of my students are actually adults. Okay, stop getting taken down into rabbit holes. Start dealing with the truth. First, if somebody will not acknowledge the obvious truth about the League of Nations mandate for Palestine, what it says, then why are you talking to them? Why are you discussing anything with them? <laughs> that's the foundation. That's how you control the narrative. Right. You know? um, okay. Before we run out of time, I just want to, uh, you mentioned to me earlier that you have a tour coming up. Um, so would you like to share some of the details of that tour with us? Well, it's, it's something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, I'm working with, uh, I, I'm actually, just just before the trip uh, to Israel, I was named as the official lecturer for Canadians for Israel's Legal Rights, which is CILR.org. And they are a project um, under uh, Canadians, um, Canadian Anti-Semitism Education Foundation. So if you donate to CILR, you get a tax receipt. Uh, and what they're doing, the team is now putting together a tour initially either through, first probably first through Ontario and then through uh, Canada so we're going mm-hmm. to identify as many synagogues churches schools as possible who would like to have me in to do a training with them and of course each student will get a copy of Israel's land title deed which is in my training booklet and I'm really looking forward to that and I think that's going to make a tremendous difference and fortunately now since we've been on the jnf trip we've met you know 35 38 other teachers um, 
many of whom are enthusiastic about participating. So I'm very optimistic about that. And then eventually, hopefully, it'll be expanded. Um, I, I, uh, the the Atlantic, JNF Atlantic um, has indicated that they might be interested in doing an event once I got back. And so um, it's called the Liberating Israel Tour. Fantastic. So any organizations or educational institutes or that are interested uh, should contact CILR.org? Well, I, the easiest thing right now is um, um, either, uh, I can't think of her email address right now, just contact me, mark at israeltruthweek.org, M-A-R-K at israeltruthweek.org, and just let me know of your interest and I can pass it on to the organizers. And we'd be delighted and uh, to, to have you. And obviously, you know, organizations could cooperate with one another to create a bigger event, whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be, uh, I'd like to do a two-hour training with them. And so they'll have lots of time for questions and applying this, the material that we're, we're going to learn. And it's, uh, it, it's pretty, it's a lot of fun too. It's great. So, Sounds like a great opportunity for people to learn more. Yes, and uh, it's similar to what you're doing. You're doing outreach to to the schools, which uh, which I which I appreciate. So, I certainly. How is that going for you? Um, do we have time for you to talk a little uh, bit? About yeah, it's actually stuff? going quite well. Um, I've been focusing on anti-Semitism and Holocaust education training, um, but I'm partnered or in connection or in consultation cooperation with uh, a whole bunch of different agencies in in basically in the Greater Toronto area. Um, who are all very supportive of the efforts, and we we cooperate very well together. So I'm involved in other bits and pieces in terms of educating Jewish, mostly Jewish students, on um, the dangers of anti-Semitism and um, elements of Holocaust education. That because there are teachers out there, as you've learned, that have gaps in knowledge about certain areas, and many of the teachers either don't feel comfortable addressing the subject matter or don't have the background knowledge to address the subject matter. Um, So in some instances, I'm helping teachers to develop their own programs and others. I'm actually scheduled to go into schools and um, set up a display and give a talk on Holocaust education. Uh, So, so far the response has been uh, really well received. Um, You know, I can't say that I'm disappointed in terms of how many people have contacted me and asked me for help and resources? So I'm very encouraged. I hope it's going to grow, but uh, and I'm, I'm you know open to talking to and partnering with anyone out there who really wants it um, because I think it's an important message to get across. And you know I set up my own organization as a not-for-profit corporation, so for the most part there are no fees involved, and uh, other than if there's any travel expenses or things like that uh, but it's uh it's a i think it's a great opportunity and I, I think it's something that as as you've seen there's a great necessity well yes i uh you know yad vashem was you know i had seen all of the the horrible pictures mm-hmm. um before i ever went to yad vashem um and uh, it was interesting because we had a session uh beforehand um with before we did the tour it was just for educators and how to talk about it and teach about it and what they really emphasize i mean in a nutshell is they emphasize the stories not the horror Mm -hmm. um 
and we talked about mor you know morality and, and the choices and the gray issues and we talked about you know the a doctor who's got enough medication um to heal some people but not all but should he give the medication to everybody and what you know the choices and that that they make um so when i went through yad vashem um i i didn't lose it until the very last uh room you know that that round room with all of the binders and um th there's a pool at the bottom you've been there i assume mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and uh when i saw all the binders there with the names one page for each victim that they knew about and all the empty space i just lost it i just mm -hmm. lost it so many and even now it's uh, it's all i can do not to cry uh but i but I stayed later after everybody, you know, the rest of the tour had gone on, and I made a point to look at every single binder, every one, because I wanted to see the people, because that was the message that we got, that you need to see the people, not the horror. And so that was my way to do it, but it was, it was just, it was brutal. You know that last, and I, the one thing that does really stand out is I saw the you know the old uh, Zyklon B canisters. I, you know, mm -hmm. I tweeted, I said, "Don't you dare tell me this didn't happen. I don't want to know about it." So, but there was a, there's a lot to learn from that. And the other thing too is you know when you learn about the propaganda, I have not had a chance to. I do have business cards for the for the for the fellow who guided us. He has a doctorate in Holocaust education. And uh, I have not uh, contacted him yet, but I wanted to discuss with him this this BDS propaganda, this stolen land narrative, and its role. As far as I can see, I, I think it's playing a, an incredible role in in inciting hatred and violence against Jews. And I see this 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 the the job of of helping this first the Jewish people understand that they're not stealers of land. I see that as critical, that occupation libel has to be destroyed. And, uh, you know, I'd be interested in getting his thoughts and of course yours if one, another time when we have more time. Mm -hmm. So, but thank you so much for having me on it. It's been a great honor. Oh, thank you, Mark. And we really appreciate getting your perspective. And I, I definitely know that, uh, you know, any of my listeners out there will certainly give them a lot to think about in terms of their perspective on how they how they you know think about these issues in terms of uh, Israel and the position that we take in terms of how we negotiate and where we speak from and and how we address issues and I I absolutely would look forward to continuing uh, conversations with you um, at a further date Oh, uh, that's that's wonderful. And if somebody wants to talk to me, uh, I have a Toronto number. I can uh, you can actually uh, uh, put it out there. Sure. And um, what did I do with my card? Oh, it's gone. I have a Toronto number. But <laughs> um, yes, here it is. Here it is. Sorry. Uh, Toronto line six four seven nine four eight seven four four nine. So it's 647-948-7449. Um, so what I would suggest, if anybody, if, if, if they're interested, before you call me, do me the courtesy of going to IsraelTruthWeek.org uh, and taking the Liberating Israel training. It's just two videos, and you can download my workbook. And then 
take a couple of days to think about it, and then I'm glad to talk to you on the phone. But I'd rather talk to you after you've seen the material, and uh, I'm glad to do that. And of course, uh, with you as well. So, and again, I would remind people that talking about truth and talking about what you know, asking questions and, and talking about Jews being owners, not occupiers, it is not the same as talking about solutions. That. And, and I hope people can get that clearly separated in their mind. And I'm not implying, I don't mean to be, you know, overly critical of the Israeli government or of the NGOs for not talking about the, this, this material. It's just that it's an observation and it's something that, you know, I hope we can change in the future. So thanks for, thanks for giving me the time to say that. And thank you for, for sharing it. Thank you for listening to this episode of JTeach On Air. The opinions expressed by guests of this show are solely their own, and their appearance on the show does not imply endorsement by JTeach or JTeach On Air. To keep up to date with JTeach, be sure to check out our website and our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Please consider supporting this podcast by making a donation through Patreon.com. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. Shalom, shalom.